Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Ah, we got everybody. <laughs> Gang's here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, live. everybody. Hi. Morning. Live. Been having lively discussions all morning since since we woke up. You know. Mm-hmm. 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 Five minutes say? ago. It's five minutes ago. <laughs> um, how you guys doing? I'm good. I only yelled at my dogs three times this morning uh, on our on our extended walk, which is you know a good thing. Um, it's less than I usually yell at them, but you know everything's good. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm going to see Barbie in an hour. I'm psyched. What are your expectations? I'm just expecting to see something that I played like I played with so many Barbies when I was a kid. It was a huge, huge part of my childhood. And I have like very distinct memories of like cutting their hair to make more Kens because I only had like one Ken. You know, like there was a whole a whole thing that I got into. And I think that's illegal like, in some I, states. It is now. And as I got older, I started to realize like, oh, this is kind of a shitty toy. Like it's, it's you know, makes women feel really bad about their bodies as this like unrealistic expectation. 
But then my daughters were telling me in the car yesterday that the woman that invented Barbie and it eventually got sold to Mattel, but she, they were telling me the backstory of this. And I love that they like know this and that there's this secret underground, like feminist viewpoint that's going to be like pushed through this, you know, toy that's kind of harmful for girls. And I just, I love it. I can't wait to see what Greta Gerwig does with it. RJ, I think you said it really well in our text chain yesterday. And I actually showed that to my daughter and she read it and she was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm no one to, you know, be talking about feminism, but um, it does seem know. like a good, it seems like a good message. Yeah, it does. And I'm excited. My daughter saw it last night and said, and said it was kind of sad. That was her take. <laughs> yeah, I've I think, heard there's a lot of crying. I think that means that it like is doing it different, something different than what people maybe expected. Yeah. I think it's in the right hands right? with Greta yeah. and, and obviously and Noah Baumbach and the actors who are in it are incredible and. I saw a trailer for it when I went and saw Asteroid City and it was like the first trailer to like give you a hint of where the story is going and it's going in the mm -hmm. direction of what you're talking about, Megan. And it just, it feels like there's layers to this that I, I can't wait to see it. I'm going to see it this week. I can't wait either. Yeah. I'm really excited. And I feel like it's just been so expiring to the outfits. I'm, you know, into outfits and I think Mike Gordon has been a little bit influenced in his Ken 4.0 right now. I'm feeling it. And maybe it's always been there and I just never noticed it before, but I didn't, I didn't know Ken that you were into, I didn't know that you were into outfits. Did that just no. recently start? Yeah. It's no a, idea. Is that a recent, no, a recent yeah. it's a recent, it's a recent development. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple of things, first of all, our friends at volume.com are, um, we're going to start streaming these to volume. It's volume.com slash Osiris. So you can watch us wherever, but for those listening, if you want to watch live, go to volume.com slash Osiris and, um, you know, make sure you have that bookmarked because they are partners of ours and they're helping us put on our 10th anniversary party on Saturday, August 5th, which is officially on sale. Tickets are available. Things are happening. We have a band. Mm -hmm. We have people. We have almost all the people. We're missing a couple of people, but we have most people. And um, it's going to be awesome. So that, check that, that out. That reminds me. Can I get on the list for that? <laughs> we'll, see. Sorry, it's, we'll see. It's full, <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, damn. Well, yeah. well, all the other, all the others, all the other people already took all the spots. Um, and we'll, I'm I'll working put a on link my outfit. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm working on yeah. my outfit. You know, actually, will we, to, yeah. Will we be getting a reunion of the baby's mouth for the 10th anniversary party? <laughs> Good question. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's like, I think that was a moment in time. You know what I mean? Um, I do want to say, Brian, I was going to say this off camera, but now that we're on uh, our recording, Megan and I need shirts. Look at this. Look at this shirt that I have. This is the only HF pod shirt I have. Can you send us some none. of the new ones? Yes, I can send you some of the new ones. I have them in my warehouse here. I'll send them uh, this weekend. <laughs> Perfect. Actually, have, you know your, what, have your intern ship them out. I know it's hard. It's like complicated to do stuff, including going to the post office. I find it to be hard. But if you can do that and send as many as you can put in a package, then we will give some away at our at our event. Yeah, because clearly they're hot commodities. I mean, you cannot thought, get this. I thought shit. you were Even leading can... into a stamps.com commercial or something, <laughs> yeah. RJ. I was like, ooh, new sponsor. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, okay. So one other thing. This week, Megan and I on Wednesday, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing a live recap at the Ardmore Music Hall of the first night of the man. And then our friend Cal Kehoe's band is going to play. And there's going to be shuttles to and from the man from Ardmore. It's going to be a really fun, um, it's going to be a really fun afternoon. So that's at osirispod.com slash Philly if you want to learn more about that. But um, 
back to an old stomping ground fish went star lake i mean they're you know i mean it is an old stomping ground jonathan don't you think oh yeah they've been playing there since the 90s um it's, it's been a while you know they they busted out the one and only amarina there once upon a time and really they could bring that back at any any day would be great one of the most committed and perfect one-off uh one-off covers that we need yep. back um is but yes they've played they there a bunch there over since, the years but is it yeah. true that they haven't played there since 2009 or 2012, 2012? Mm-hmm. Yeah, math is not my yeah. department so that's 2012 pretty... which that was a really really fun show that was yeah. out during an excellent weekend of fish cincinnati the night before was amazing this show had uh, a version of light that if you have not listened to in some time it has this very distinct calypso jam in the middle of it that is just incredibly hooked up beautiful stuff but yeah this is always a venue that when they arrive there it feels like I don't know, like to someone like myself from the Midwest, Pittsburgh feels like the Northeast. I know this is incorrect um, and I'm going to (laughs) be shouted at by Northeasterners, but it feels that way whenever I, uh, whenever I think about the location and it feels like the furthest that fish would kind of go into, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, as they did their kind of like tours around that part of the country when they would hit, um, you know, small college towns and whatnot. So it has that feel of like being in fish territory. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you come out of New York and you go from Erie to Pittsburgh. There's a like a motel on the way there and it's still within their early range. But uh, it's yeah. a bittersweet motel, some might say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, only been to this, night's going. I've only been to this <laughs> venue once in 98 and it was the end of the tour. And, you know, they couldn't. Great show. A lot of people. Yeah, it was it was great. But everyone or a lot of people went straight to to lemon wheel from Virginia beach and mm. there were no drugs at all. Like I couldn't get, how couldn't like get pot in the parking lot. Did I ever Maybe tell you about how I got to lemon wheel nice and early and man, what a got party that pot. was with lots of pot. <laughs> <laughs> <all the> pot. <laughs> um, but this is not a show about pot. No, not really. Anyway. Not. Um, this is a show about fish. <laughs> we had a, it's interesting. We were talking earlier in the text chain about flow. And I thought it was an interesting show in like the two sets to me are totally different in terms of flow and, and in terms of what they kind of brought. But first set party time, ACDC bag, 46 days, birds of a feather, bouncing, stash, leaves, maze, sense and subtle sounds. Again, Brian, how many, how many times We've we've actually done this before, haven't we? How many times Fish has played the same song back to back? I feel like we did that once, and it was like more than you would expect, but but not that much. I, I can think of three examples in the post uh, 1.0 world, um, which are uh, Golgi Apparatus was played on eleven twenty nine oh nine, and then twelve two oh nine. Run Like an Antelope was played 6-20-2010, and then 6-22-2010, and then this uh, version um, of, of Sense and Soul Sounds was started in Wilmington on 7-19 and played here on 7-21. I may be missing one or well, two they, versions. They really only repeated the intro, which should be tracked separately. 
That's very true. That's mm-hmm. very true. Um, and the intro into a highly comedic segment uh, with a shout out to the brilliance of uh, Taylor Swift and Trey <laughs> talking about his fifth grade teacher who, hey, I had a really good fifth grade teacher, but it sounds like Trey's fifth grade teacher was kind of like my fourth grade teacher that just like doubted him entirely and like has stuck with him for the last uh, 50 odd years. But yeah. no, it's a rare thing for Fish to repeat his song. You kind of got the sense that either they were going to open tonight with sense or they were going to throw it out there at some point you could kind of hear trey laughing when they started the song because yeah. yeah. he knew it, it was inevitable i yeah. i mean i don't i i feel like he just couldn't leave that you know gun no. on the mantle he had to he had to pull it out and shoot it <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, that's that sounds dangerous um what did you guys think of the first set who has who has like thoughts about the set is, is anyone going back to this set and what does this set bring that uh people should should pay attention to I really like the stash. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought the stash was beautiful. It was really soulful and rich. Paige was on the piano and Mike was playing like really melodic riffs underneath. And when Trey starts playing those like soaring notes, the percussion from Fishman was just amazing. So much texture. He was even getting in those little samples like ah, that he's been doing, like hitting the bell a little bit. It just, he sounded really playful and fun and it's just really uplifting. I liked it a lot. I like the attitude this set begins with. It's party time. Nice, like, eight-minute party time. They get the groove. They hold on to it for a while. Nothing fancy. Um, and I think that is, that phrase kind of applies to a lot of this set. Like, bag 46 days is cool. Doesn't really go outside the box. And that continues uh, right down through the super crisp short bouncing which is perfectly followed a la a live one by this stash mm-hmm. and um and this is a good stash it's it's a very upbeat i you know my inclination is towards is to prefer a dark jam and stash but that's okay because i really like what they did here um and i was telling you guys that i actually tuned in last night during the stash that's when i was out to dinner got home got the show on right in right in the middle of the jam and and i didn't look at the set list first i had been monitoring uh so i'm i just put it on and it's the jam sounded to me like they were in a kind of a major key birds to feather jam and i i know now that it's like the last like few minutes of the jam is where they were really in that space um, so I, I actually, I, I love that. It's too bad the birds of a feather didn't have its own jam, but, uh, so be <laughs> it. Uh, I think it's a solid set. I listened to it again, you know, all this morning and, uh, it's, it's songy, not jammy, yeah. but they're good songs. Uh, I can't, I can't get upset about what they picked. I think leaves comes really in a nice place after that stash yeah. and, uh, and maze is good since it's cool to have, uh, played in full. Good set. Brian, what do you, what do you think? I mean, my big takeaway is the stash. I think, um, you know, just in terms of a compare and contrast overall of the sets, the first set has a lot of older songs and it feels kind of to Jonathan's point. It's not a lot of them go to that next sort of level that you'll hear with a song when they're like, you know, deep in 
improv and whatnot, but like it almost doesn't need to. It's a sunny mid July set at a at a venue that they love playing at, and it really contrasts nicely with how many new songs are in set two and are used in really adventurous ways. So we'll talk about that obviously when we get to set two. But I just would like to uh, celebrate Stash and 4.0 while we have the opportunity. We are huge Stash fans in terms of what it has done here over the last couple of years. Every time Stash begins, there's one person that I think about. He is on this call. He will be unnamed, <laughs> but you know he, he he is who we think about when David Bowie begins as well. Um, August 7th, 2021. August 31st, 2021. October 19th, 2021. April 20th, 2022. Uh, August 3rd, 2022, December 28th, 2022, February 24th, 2023, and now July 21st, 2023. There are like eight or nine versions in there. All take the idea of stash and either go into a dark kind of jam off of it, thinking about um, that version from Shoreline 20 in 2021, or like this, that go into this bright, melodic, blissful zone. Um, I'm right there with Jonathan. I I, I, I tend to like when it goes into the dark space because it stash just uh, and the Mexico version from this year, February 24th really went into that dark kind mm. of hypnotic. Um, it got a little uh, sparse and funky and groovy and dark and dismal in a way that was really, really cool to listen back to. This is the opposite of that. And this kind of fit, the light was really nice during the first set of the show, like the way that the sun was setting and was casting across the band. It just had that very beautiful, rich, like Alpine glow to it. And uh, it just, the, the stash just fit the vibe of it really, really nicely. So big, big highlight in, uh, in set one. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something about the stash. I wish I could explain it as a musical person, but it just, they're just so in sync, you know, it's like, it's very, mm -hmm like the sound is so clear and it's so, it just feels like they're like really, none of them is pushing any, you know, more than the others. And it just builds to this, like, I feel like this tour, they've just had these kind of like more organic peaks that have just been really pretty, pretty cool. And I think the stash is really notable. Um, I don't know. I, other people might have like, you know, no, I think that's a really good yeah, point. Exactly. I would totally agree. And I actually heard that in the sense and subtle sounds too. There's this point when Trey and Paige are like echoing each other and mm -hmm. it just, it sounds like a conversation between them and you feel it like slowly build to like a really meaty peak. And I, I've been noticing that too. It just feels really organic and kind of effortless. Well, I think that they're not peaking all the time because they're letting mm -hmm. it happen organically. Yep. So there are a lot of jams we'll talk about in set two that just don't peak at all and don't mm -hmm. really need to. John. Right. But it, uh, also um, a lot of that conversation between Trey and Paige in these second set jams that we're going to get to. Yeah. All right. So second set Sigma Oasis into the final hurrah, into on pillow jets, into David Bowie cities, into Fuego, into Ruby waves. Um, Seven songs, pretty. It's pretty interesting set. Um, what do you guys think? Who wants to kick it off? Um, I mean, I'll kick it off with just. To me, the the, the I re-listened to this set um, this morning. The brilliance of where this band is at right now is the fact that we're incorporating five songs in a second set that were not written before they came back in 3.0 and they are not just being played straight they are being played and allowed to breathe and then they 
segue into each other or they fade into each other. Um, and then you have right smack in the middle to one cover, but two extremely old fish songs that were there when the band was playing in bars and somehow it all kind of works around each other. Um, in the moment, some of this felt as though ideas were being cut off in place for a new song. When I re-listened back to it, it flowed in a much stronger way um, that I think I will listen to this set in full uh, going forward. Um, but I will definitely re-listen to that Sigma Oasis into the final hurrah into Unpillow Jet segment. Um, that is some of my favorite music that has been made thus far this summer and this year for them. You know, I was really curious how you were going to take this set, and I'm glad that this second <laughs> listen uh, worked for you because I was digging it last night, but I could see where, well, first of all, I read the internet. Um, I got online last night, and I could see where some people might not have dug it in the same way. Um, so I, I'll get back to that opening segment which is really where the highlights I think are for me. But uh, I want to talk about one of the things that I think really bothered some people that I really loved, which is the cities and De Fuego. So cities is real short. And I know we all would love a 20 minute cities. We'd love it <laughs> when they just, you know, let it all hang out and groove on that for a long time. And uh, yeah, sure. But they didn't last night. And instead they got past the song got into a great groove and Trey, I, I feel like pretty organically found something. He was like, Oh, this to me feels like Fuego. And he starts playing the Fuego intro tones over the jam. Mike starts playing with him, recognizing that this is what we're doing while the groove is still happening, courtesy of Fishman and page, and then brings it down, looks to fish, Counted off, boom, fuego. I thought it was great at the time. I was very excited about it. I was texting the group. I was like, are you hearing this? You know, <laughs> um, because I thought that was really cool. And I thought that it was coming after um, a really great first half of this set. Uh, so Sigma Oasis has a great jam. Great jam. We're used to those. So we've seen Sigma Oasis jams, and this was one of them, and we like it. Final Hurrah had a jam. It's only nine minutes, but it had a full-on Type 2 jam that was dark, weird, and awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, incredible. And then reason. they land in On Pillow Jets, which is, they, Fish has never played this song, and they jam that too. And it's even yeah. longer than Final Hurrah, and it was dark, weird, and awesome once again. These are three things that I love about fish when they can do those three things or various combinations of similar things. I'm all about it. That song is good. That jam was good. That was rad. And then they dropped into David Bowie and you guys blew it by texting. Oh, oh. And I was like, I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> and we were all excited because of the way they had just been playing. We got our expectations too high. And yeah. they played what I listened to today, a decent David Bowie. Quite. It, I got four minutes yeah. of open improv. I, right. I, I checked and, the time. It, it was. It, it was hung. definitely. We were gone. We were yeah. gone. Yeah. From Bluesy. Belly. It was fun. It was. It was blues rock, and it was yeah. uh, conversational between Trey and Paige. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey was laying out at with first, and and listening, 
and then he started picking up on Paige's stuff and then started following what Paige was doing and working against and uh, opposed to and with that. And it was it was very cool. It was all very uh, major key-ish. It was all very uh, kind of upbeat and, you know, rhythmic the whole time. No, no deep weird or anything, but uh, yeah, pretty good. I'll shut up now. Uh, except the Ruby Waves is actually really good, even though, again, not super deep. Big outro jam. Good set. I thought the first part of this set really reminded me of Wilmington Night One, the second set, the first part, where it was like just really strong first part of the set, really good flow, all played really, really well. I'm loving, I was so excited to hear Pillow Jets because I'm loving the way that they're playing these debuts. Like they're learning a lot of songs. This is our sixth original song, right? That they've played on this tour. There are still 14 songs that Trey debuted at the mission that were either either debuts or played for the first time in public. And one of those, they sound check last night, Monsters. So we know that one's coming. So they learned a lot of songs. They've at least learned seven songs, probably even more. So it's like so exciting to hear them playing these new songs and jamming them out right away. Like Oblivion Now is this already this like jam vehicle and they seem so inspired by it. And I've been waiting to hear this debut and I can't wait to hear it at MSG. I hope they save it for them because I really want to hear it again in there. I think it would just be incredible. And I love that this song has such an easy kind of effortless feel. And so when the synths come in during the chorus, it's just so nice, really great imagery. It just kind of rocks right into a really like contemplative jam right away. And I really love the ending, how they're like, they're saying like conjurers of thunder. It's just like rock opera style, like super dramatic. And there's like trippy synths and crashing vibes. And I think this is exciting. And I think the song is going to see a lot of play. And I really loved it. And I thought the whole first, yeah, like we were saying, this whole Sigma through Final Hurrah and Pillow Jets was just really tremendous and a great section of music. Um, nothing over 20 minutes. Yeah. There's I think five... I'm going to lose that bet. I, think I know. I'm that it seems bet. like we are. There's five jams in this show that are 12 to 17 minutes. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just speaking yeah. strictly to the over 20 minute optimists. Um, yeah <laughs> speaking to you optimists i'm just ah. saying we're there are some that are like 18 minutes and 50 seconds yep. and 19 minutes yeah. i mean it's just like come on guys wave of so, hope being 1959 night to wilmington feels feels like i feel weird. like whoever's doing the tracking in the truck is just having a laugh it's but like i know when, uh, they like i know that they care about kids education you know that's what's so confusing about it <laughs> <laughs> but wait so it's this like is when my question uh, for you. long ahead, boy bro. from the baker's dozen was 29 59 like they couldn't just give it on either side one or two seconds <laughs> right. to make it a 30 minute lawn boy they just they had to keep it within the 20 minute range but anyway go the ahead one second i just had a question about like do you think that if a jam is only 12 to 17 minutes it it's not as re-listenable. Like Brian, when you are making no. your charts, I don't think that's the case. Do you think no. there's, you know, do you notice that most of the the songs that are higher up on your tiers are longer? Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, I'm. This gets into a big conversation. Turns this from a quick hit to a hit. So I apologize. <laughs> I'll try to be as concise as possible. Um, I think ultimately, what I look for in my subjective way of taking uh, of, of listening to music and considering where I, I like it 
in accordance to others is I want a jam that feels like it is explored all possible terrain and feels very complete, feels like it reached a, a full musical idea. And for me, one of the jams that did that this year that is not even 12 minutes is the Choctaw's Torture from Mexico. It's like 11 mm. and a half minutes long and it's, they just leave Choctaw's behind and they explore this open terrain and it feels adventurous. It feels brand new. Um, to me, a really quality jam has never needs to go over 20 minutes. Um, where fish often takes their music in a way that is really re-listenable to me and really adventurous and really exciting is when they tend to get in that terrain where 16 minutes have passed by and a new idea appears. And this new idea has nothing to do with the original song and may have nothing to do with any other music they've ever written or played. And they explore that. And that feels for whatever the last four to 10 minutes, however long the jam goes, ends up feeling really exciting and really fresh. And so, yes, I tend to overweigh jams that go over 20 minutes because of that reason, because when they discover that new area, there's a lot to explore and a lot to re-listen to, but I don't think it necessarily needs to be. I think, you know, I put the Sigma and Final Hurrah very high on my list almost immediately because there's just a ton to re-listen to a ton to explore a ton of new ideas happening in there there's an excellent segue in there um pillow jets uh as well like 11 and a half minutes and it feels like there's just a ton happening within that jam musically that feels relatively new feels somewhat dangerous feels very risky in a really cool way that makes me want to go back and re-listen to it i was surprised last night when they posted it to live fish and i saw the time I thought, yeah, surely felt like it, was, it was longer, it was longer. Than 11 minutes. And, yeah. and, you know, it's funny. That statement could mean two things. It could mean mm -hmm. that, oh, God, <laughs> why won't it end? Or, like, how did so much happen so fast? And it's, of course, the latter in this case. Mm -hmm. So, Brian, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that um, in the pantheon of, you know, the best ever quick hits, that uh, they're longer than 30 minutes or should or does it matter? I think from a quick hit, no. <laughs> um, can I can I say what my 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 third point of 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 the show? I have three points for every show, and and you know, um, hit it. I still haven't said my third point. I have a new working theory. For <laughs> can I can I throw this at you guys? And yeah. All right. So I was thinking about this this morning. Every time that they've played MSG, aside from the October 96 run, which were the fourth and fifth shows that they played there and hadn't really become their venue, every time they've played MSG, it has either been a New Year's run or the Baker's Dozen or that 2009, this is our first time playing MSG in five, six years type of thing. Huge hype going into that. MSG is kind of the one venue, I guess Dix is like this too, but MSG is this venue that they've never just played. It's never just Burgettstown mm -hmm. or even just like Deer Creek where it's, Hey, here's three nights on the, on the road or, you know, in the tour, we love playing Deer Creek. Here we go. Um, it always has this event around it. New Year's Eve, Baker's Dozen, you get what I'm saying. I almost get a sense that they are, as I'm listening to this tour, there doesn't, to me, there feels to me to be like a, a relaxed 
method to this tour where we're going to introduce some new songs. We're going to play them, but they're not, you got a sense going into the Baker's dozen that there were a lot of songs that were coming out of the road or out of like the distant hints of the rotation in years past that were coming back. Or there were a lot of songs that were being stretched almost purposely 20 to 25 minutes, because if they were going to go after no repeats, they had to have a bunch of songs to pull from and they had to have that kind of confidence to dive into extended improv, which they hadn't really been doing in years prior to that. Um, so I kind of get the sense that they're just approaching MSG with as little pressure as possible. We have no theme to this run. As far as we know, there's not been announced as like mini Baker's dozen. It's just seven shows at MSG to almost go in with out any pressure without any stress to just play in their hometown um, and just savor that rather than it being, we have all this build up to New Year's Eve. We have the Baker's dozen that we have to hit all these things on a night by night basis. What are you guys thoughts on that? Do you agree? Disagree? Any thoughts uh, off it? I absolutely agree. Uh, at times in recent weeks, when I think even you have referred to this as a mini ba- mini Baker's dozen, I've kind of bristled and I've not commented on it, but it's just not that it's, it's, a it's a run right it's just a run it's not like it could be anywhere because they don't do this just anywhere right but it's a run trey will be relaxed because he's sleeping in his own bed cool you know uh, there's a lot of components that msg brings by default but that's just because that's just the default that's a a good baseline they're going to come in uh rehearsed be relaxed. They're going to have fun. They're going to play entire shows composed of 4.0 songs. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, but they could. They could. Uh, they could. But you know, I I just think that I think that the MSG shows are going to be they're going to be good. Uh, but I don't think they need to be more than that. I think it's just they're just it's just a run. It's going to be great. I don't think they need to be more than that, but they might be. Well, I mean, they may be amazing, <laughs> I'm just saying and, that, and, and no, I'm not talking I mean, about on scale of... I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking okay. about, like, they might have a theme, and we just don't know about it yet. I mean, the only thing yeah. that's, like, coming out uh, well, to me is just that they're playing tons of new stuff, and they seem super inspired by it, and every time they play a new song, they're, like, pushing it a little, too. So, I'm, I don't know. I, I just, I'd be... I feel like it's unwise to say that we know that they're just going to be, like, oh. chilling at MSG... You know, oh, we know nothing. regular shows. No, no, yeah. it's never trust. This a is my server. second working theory. Of the tour. Honestly, that was a really good point. I, um, honestly, I don't think I. You know, they don't have to tell us anything. It doesn't matter no. for us. We should be approaching it like it's just a run. They may yeah. have a whole thing up their sleeves. We don't know. Doesn't matter. It just it just struck me how when I was thinking about it that pretty much every MSG run has a yeah. thing to it. And they've never just come into MSG and just gone, here's some shows at MSG. It's always, it's not, it's because MSG is MSG. Like it yeah. is already elevated, but they've never just come in there and just played it. They always come in there and have to show up even more. And there's pressure mm-hmm. to it. What do you yeah, think, RJ? Do you think, do you think it, it? Um. Yeah, I think they're taking a different, I mean, it, it's not a, the anticipation isn't the same either. You know, like it's not the same kind of like, there's a few shows and then the big, the main event, you know? Yeah. It's just right. like the middle of a, it's the middle of the tour. And I think that's great. Um, 
It's the appetizer to dicks, I guess. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know, I I think there. I, yeah, just I don't feel. I don't feel like there's any setup for any, any like anything really. It'd be kind of nice if there wasn't, and just you know, just party every night, just have fun. Yeah, there's just shows. Yeah, just shows, just shows. some yeah. jams, and some. Which is honestly something I want people to remember. Sometimes, like there was just so much negativity about the Wilmington Run, and sometimes they're just fish shows, and you're just gonna go and have a really fucking good time, and it's not gonna be a masterpiece, and you're not gonna be transformed, you know. And I think that that's okay. Not every set list has a narrative. Yeah. Not every show will change your life doesn't make it a bad show um, yeah yeah i mean and sometimes the shows that every someone MSG doesn't like performance you love the, and that's the, the thing yeah like i walked out of night two of alpine last year like a legitimately a changed person like i had an experience of that show and i've talked to people who are like that is the most vanilla show that i've ever listened to and like i have reasons for loving that show and for loving the the arc of that set list. I found maybe two other people who like that show as much as I do. Like well, maybe. And, and yeah. to have your back, but also for everybody out there who's had that experience of being like, that show was amazing. And other people go, huh? Uh, right. No one can take that away from you. Yeah. That exactly. show amazed you, changed your life. That's your Just like experience. they can't that's take away the disappointment that. I felt after night three of Alpine, which yeah. let me tell you how long you are. Obligated to exactly. Include that show every time. But it's well, like, it's so fun just to go <laughs> to a fish show and have fun and not stress out about Setless. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I got to do in Wilmington. And it was, I really appreciated it. And I love that there are people that can still do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe one I don't day know. you can teach me how not to stress out about Setless because. <laughs> Okay. You I gotta have go. some ideas. Whatever will be, you, will be, my dude. Yeah, that's true. I do think if you're like going to MSG expecting something, then you're gonna get the opposite. I mean, that's just that's just yeah. how it works with fish. Right. So right. so we're trying yeah. to set everybody up to have an amazing exactly. time by telling you that it doesn't matter at this point and it's it's just a show. It's just a yep. run. Yeah. It's just a run. Until Imagine it happens. We would not have this advice if I hadn't introduced this last topic at 29 minutes. So to answer your question, Jonathan, <laughs> yes, the 30 plus minute quick hits are the I best. I don't know. I really I'm like the nice. one we did the other day that got in at like 29. That was pretty Anything good. Anything that doesn't have <laughs> me or Brian, Brian on it is definitely going to be shorter. It's a little shorter. But <laughs> yeah. but mostly we need to get Megan to Barbie. So It's true. I have to do. go to Barbie soon. She's going. Everyone else, we got to get to their their stuff. I have to go to a kid's birthday party. Sure, everyone has things there they have to do. I got a wine tasting later. Wow, you're so fancy. Awesome. That's awesome. This is that what happens when awesome. you get old, I guess. We're doing we're doing potty training this weekend, so it is. Oh, wow. uh, look out! different. It's, it's not fancy, big, but really fun. Big big weekend over here. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> good doing luck. That. Lots of naked right. babies. Yeah, Lots of naked babies. All right. Good luck, everybody. See you soon. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Osiris. 
Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 